0: And if we can go in and heal our ancestral trauma, then we will have access to those jewels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And it might even like help us understand where the magic is and why the magic.
2: You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be the driver in their own lives through the life and stories of black women with drive And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant an executive coach and a leadership facilitator, working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. Welcome back. Today I have a special episode because I have an author who is publishing her first book this week. And I am releasing this episode as she shares about her journey to writing her first novel. And it is a book of the summer. I hope that you will go out and get the book. Now, I want to say before uh, that this episode, I actually recorded this episode with her before I read the book. I had, And then after that episode, I got an advance copy. So we are n- going to have another episode in the future having... Now that I have read the book, I really want to sit down with Anita at some point in the future to for us to talk about um, the novel. But I won't I won't give any kind of spoilers uh, in the book. But what you want to know, it's a it's a powerful journey for a black mermaid, and then follow her journey, and there's some historical figures that show up in that. The first time I met. Anita, We had a, a, session, a meeting and there was such a beautiful connection between us. And sometimes that happens, you know, sometimes when I meet new, my guests and it's it's great and it's fine. And then there were other times when it feels like a beautiful connection and it really did. And we could have just kept going. So um, I hope that you really enjoy um, this episode this, um, and this, comp- this interview. But before that, I wanted to, um, you know, I recall this in this week where we 've got uh the conversation around self care the conversation of being willing to step away from sometimes uh, the things that we have worked towards and um, that we are known for with Simone Biles stepping back from the Olympics and all the conversation that 's going on around that. You know how I feel about self care you know that there is nothing. I think you can exchange for yourself and your life, really. Even though society trains us to to do that all the time, and so a big shout out and acknowledgement and love for Simone, for Naomi Osaka as well, and anyone else who has choosing their well being over and above, like have the self sacrifice. And, and what I've been thinking about with this is I've been, as I read people's reactions, you know, ones of support and encouragement and others of um, crit- criticism about her choice, it makes me think about the people who are going to work and who are not in the public eye and who want to be able to make that choice and or make that choice and then have to deal with the consequences of that choice and that is really determined by who they work with and who they work for, and whether that person is compassionate and is, listens and is really paying attention and cares, or whether that person doesn't give a, mm, about, that, about them and would replace them in a heartbeat. So I say that to say is whilst we've had these debates, it's not always an, it's never an easy choice to to put your health and well-being first for multiple reasons. But it's also like if you, if you're in a position where you work with people, where you lead people, where you're part of a team, it's just like, can we, can we stand on the side of compassion? Can we stand on the side of well-being? Can we stand on the side of self-care first and then support people with making the right choice and the right choice for me is always taking care because if we take care of our people you ultimately take care of your organization uh, anyway right so you ultimately take care of your team anyway and it isn't always about like just pushing through and pushing through because that's what you said you were going to do or that's what you've been working on for four years I get it so it's huge debates out there but you know how I feel about self care. It's not you. You have to look after yourself. The end. All right. Uh, and if this pandemic hasn't taught us that, oh, whew, we're still in it. We are still in it. That was that. I want to um, welcome Anita. So Anita is, um, Copaz is an award-winning writer and spiritual advisor. She's the former editor-in-chief of Heart and Soul magazine and managing editor of Beauty Sense magazine. When she is not writing, you can find her on the dance floor or traveling the world with her children. She lives in New York with her family. You are going to really enjoy our conversation i promise you and please go out and buy shallow waters is out this week and it's available wherever you normally buy your books but wherever you can support a black business and a black bookstore okay then over to anita
1: anita thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on she's got drive
0: it's such an honor. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I am looking forward to our conversation, because when we first met it might be a couple of months ago now um, we had such a brilliant like, conversation. We could have kept going and going and going. So I have been looking forward.: I Yeah, we really could have, And I'm just like I look forward to the moment in the future where we get to sit down and sit on a sofa with some tea. And you know, and really just kind of keep going with that. So let um, me invite myself to your house or you to mine. I don't know. Um, so let's start by if you could share with um, with everyone about yourself, about like who you are and what you what you do.
0: It's so funny because for my whole life, it's always been such an interesting thing when people ask me what what do I do, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm always doing different things. I know what they mean when they're asking, but I'm like, I'm always doing different things. And to me, it feels so good to like, underneath that, like, what am I? And a big thing of what I am is I'm a lover of humans. Mm. I love them. And my man is hilarious. Cause he's like, I think you give humans too much, you know, credit. He's, <laughs> like, he's like, we're really messing up here. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Still, I still love them. Right. I have a deep love. And so most of what I do is in service to loving and healing black women. That is really like, really, I think at the depth I've changed my career so many times, but I would say like the beginning part of that was when I was the editor in chief of heart and soul magazine, I was the editor in chief for five years and that platform was so perfect for me because it was health and wellness for women of color, for black women. And so I was able to do events, retreats, put together a whole bunch of information to send out a lot of the information was very um, new information back then, you know, right. meditation, yoga, because this was a while back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that really fed my soul as far as that part. So I guess what I do, I am in service of the Black Queen.
1: <laughs> mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. Then it's like what calls cool you or what you get to work on is for that aim.
0: Yes. For yes. That. Exactly. Right. Exactly.
1: What's calling you in this moment then?
0: Yes. So what's calling me in this moment is um, my novel. I wrote a novel, um, Shallow Waters, mm-hmm. and it is about Yemea, who is um, an orisha or a goddess from the Yoruba uh, tradition. And she is a black mermaid the mother of the ocean. And she was said to at first be a goddess in the river. And then when her children from Africa were being taken to the new world on the, mm-hmm. on the slave ships, the middle passage, she went into the ocean to basically protect them. And so what I did was I imagined her, Yemeya mm-hmm. um, as a, young 17-year-old girl before she or young mermaid before she knew who she really was and so you we get to go on this journey with her takes place in the 1800s she falls in love with a fisherman the way people you know mermaids do in mermaid stories right? <laughs> but that's like the only normal part <laughs> of it right so then he gets taken on the slave ships and she goes middle passage underwater And I'm not going to tell the whole story. Don't worry. But it's, you know, she has to cocoon for 40 days and 40 nights. And so within that time, she loses her love. And so the whole book is about her trying to find her love in a place where her skin color makes her a slave. And I I would say that my intention with this was to retell the narrative of enslaved Africans from a very powerful protagonist, right? Mm. Like this, this young goddess who's figuring out who she is. Right, right.
1: So how did you come, I mean, that's amazing, number one, her journey of self-discovery at a time when it's probably, it's one of the hardest times in our family systems right to face you think because we never ever think about what was really going through the minds and the hearts of the people who were being enslaved and carried across you know it's so hard so like what is it it's so funny because I've never really thought about that like what is it really is going through their minds and how are they staying true correct you know brave yeah, as they go through that, you know,
0: right. so surviving it, and you know, yeah. that's that is definitely something I thought about when I was writing because it's like we're in a time now where we're not necessarily in fight or flight, we might be feeling it, but we're not necessarily like we're not on a slave ship, we're not, you know, some of us, right. obviously, right. There are people who are still experiencing right. these things in the world. Right. But a lot of us are not in that place. And so Mm -hmm. we, it's almost as if our spirits have opened up to clear those issues that have come within our family line that we're still living through right Right. now. But they, you know, they didn't necessarily have a moment to think about it, right? It's like survival. So yeah. It's like, wake up, work, do this, celebrate, you know, celebrate life that we're still here. Cause there was still the joy. Right. Yeah. But the working on it, I feel like our generation is one of the first generations to see like, okay, what are some of my ancestral traumas that yeah. um, I can clear and look at and see why am I acting like this? And why is it called culture? It's, it's a it's a really deep time that we're going through. Mm-hmm. and Yeah,
1: so what, is that question, I think you're right. I think we've not, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I wish my mom would care to ask that question, but like the, the ability, the freedom to really look and see what is it that we've, what is the trauma that's still being held by us all of our challenging experiences, in all of them, we harvest gold still, right? So, even in that experience, like maybe, well, where the harvest—I mean, I also know that, right? Where the harvest of 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 that pain yes. and that that hard toil. Yes. Um, and the.
2: Uh,
0: um, mm-hmm. I love how that sounds. Let me just take that in. I've actually never said it like that. It makes me want to cry. Mm. We're the harvest of that toil. Yeah. Yes. Ashay.
1: Yeah. Because it's really, I think, I think we, I think what you're saying, if I think about my parents, years, was still such hard toil. And it doesn't mean that there isn't toil now for people. And I mean, really. Want to, like, I want to sit because I'm sitting in my privilege right as <laughs> well, where I've where I sit now. But I sit in that inside of my parents'
0: toilet. Yes, yes. Oh, you know, we have a yeah. cry in here before, yeah. Already,
1: like, <laughs> minutes in. yeah, I sit inside of that, and um, I and I want to kind of full disclosure. I want to be because my mum is um. Anniversary is coming up in June of her passing, but so feels very present yeah. for me. So I think that's also here, yeah. you know, as I speak this. But I think as a result of that, what I, when you say that it's like, I really feel like we do have the space to analyze and think, well, what is it that, um, what is the trauma that we're still holding? What is, because people say like, why can't Black like, people kind of move on or why can't they blah, blah, blah? Even with the, I mean, like, it, we're still in the systems of oppression, right? In, in Manifesting in different ways. But our ability to to really get over some of those massive hurdles that we have is we can't like keep pushing forward without, really looking and holding in like what's been going on for us as a result of our ancestors yes and what is it what's our work that we need to do to free ourselves from that trauma but harvest the still being the harvest of what they gave us you know so it's not we're not giving up all of it but absolutely
0: yeah. and I think that like as you were sharing that it's like Fully diving in deep, right? Because I think what happens is when we we begin to talk about it or say something that that can come up, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, why can't you just get over it? Or da 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 And and probably within, at least for me personally, I have thought that, right? Like, yeah, why can't I? Right? And I just can't, right? <laughs> like, what's right. happening? And when I wrote this book, I dove in. And so I was literally like would find myself crying on the floor like, because I dove into the feelings of what it was like to have a child sold away or be on the middle passage like I was in it. And so I fully was feeling, feeling it. And so mm-hmm. it was it was a process of healing for me because a lot of times people will say like oh we don't need any more slave stories you know like this is not where we started we started you know like kings right. and queens and you know like right. which which I totally absolutely agree but for me this story was necessary i am a i'm a i am a healer first right so this Mm -hmm. story was necessary for me to heal like the intention within it is for us to remember who we really are right order for us to do that there's major healing right major healing Mm -hmm. we are a gentle people that have been trained to believe that we're violent that Mm. we're right or Mm. you know what whatever it is the the narrative that they try to put into us right it's it is it is them projecting who they are upon us right like right it's it's right right so interesting to like come to that um that knowledge, right? And so, this what what I what I put into this book was the energy of us remembering who we really are. I originally wrote it for a young adult, and um, uh, my publishers, um, Simon and Schuster, and it's with um, Charlemagne for Black Privilege Publishing. I'm his mm-hmm. second uh, book that's coming out. The first one was Tamika Mallory this summer. The publishers were like adults need to read this. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> you know, If you say YA, adults are not going to read it and adults need to read this and they will pass it on to their kids.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Anyone versus the other way around. Yes, absolutely. I haven't read the book yet. Right. So I'm excited about, about reading the book, but uh, what would you want for me as I read your book? As I journey, and I'm and like, I don't know if you can answer that question without revealing beats right. <laughs> around it. So like, don't reveal too many deeps. but how, you know, what would you want? So I, I know it's like, you talk about healing, but what would you want for me as I, as I journey through this book?
0: Mm. And that's the beautiful thing about art is that I want you to have your experience of right. it be open to fully experiencing it. So whatever it is that comes out is exactly what I would want, right? Okay. And that's Mm -hmm. what I love about art because we can all look at the same art piece and see something completely different. I've infused it with like what I said, the sense Mm -hmm. of us remembering who we really are. Mm -hmm. So however that would look like to you, right? I mm-hmm. I have a sense that you already are on that journey of remembering.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I am. Yes, <laughs> so
0: just like a continuation on that journey, and and almost even like a um. A lot of times, I think what hits me the deepest is when I feel like. I'm remembering something, so it's almost like when a story feels familiar to my soul, mm-hmm. it's like I'm remembering it. So mm-hmm. it would be wonderful if people have that type of energy, like, "Oh my gosh, I know this story!" Right? Like, yeah, I don't know yeah. why, I know it—it's like that that familiar thing within our soul. Um, like when you meet soul family, like our first yeah. conversation, I'm like, "Okay, I know you." Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it reminds you it is I really so I'm excited. This is brilliant because um I think that so I wanna come back to a comment that you said earlier, which was like that story is like we don't need another slave story, right? That comment. And I I have said those things because I'm like I can't because I just can't have another I can't watch another film of us being hurt. I can't I I I have there's so many things I haven't watched. Oh, you must watch them and you must watch Monster and you must watch No, 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 I must not actually for myself. (laughs) Okay. I can't. I can't. Exactly. Uh, Right. Um, but I what I'm as I think about reading your book, I think about really the my that self-examination of that my own journey in my with into my ancestor yes and my relationship to my ancestors yes my relate my own um and some people may think they need to like have that you know when you go to the com and all of that and you get that trace. some people may think they need that in order to to get that connection but I don't believe I mean There's nothing wrong with doing that. But I don't
0: we are are we are literally
1: right. We are right. And I think that the there's been some different work that I've done that where I felt deeply connected to my ancestors and and some stories have emerged, which I believe are true, you know, like you know, in terms of what's shown up for me. And so I feel like that's an a possibility that we that Excites me about reading your book. So, excites me about like as I, like, what would it bring up for me in my relationship to my own family and my yeah. own family system or my own family history, yeah. as well as our collective, yes. um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And just even the fact, or how or maybe maybe it wouldn't be called a fact, but to me it's a fact that that there is the energy of a black mermaid that has been protecting us through it all. Uh, yes. Through it all that, yes, it was toil and, you know, hurt. Like you said, us being the harvest, it was not for nothing. There's so many jewels. There are so many things that came out of that Mm -hmm. process. And if we can go in and heal our ancestral trauma, then we will have access to those jewels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it might
1: even ex- like help us understand where, where the magic is and why the magic. Do you know, when there's like, there is something really so profoundly fundamental to who we are as a Black people that yes. it's inexplicable that people really don't and that allows us to keep creating and inventing and innovating yes. and coming up with stuff right and and um and pe- and they can't just it's just they can't get what it is yeah. because like whatever is taken we will create anew yes Do you know because that has been our pattern for so long because we've had to
0: Yes. So it might increase our, yeah, like our access to that, like what That's is that magic? magic? And mm-hmm. it there is, I mean, this is a whole probably a whole nother podcast, but there right. is that whole thing of of our our magic, our spirituality being demonized, right? Yeah being demonized in a way that then we then we're ashamed to to try to connect to that, connect to our ancestors, connect to gods and goddesses like Yemaya. And, you know, and it's just, it's very innate that, that demonization, like even for me growing up, right. It's like, no, you know, like don't go there. (laughs) And, and as, as soon as I it's, it's that same type of thing. Like as soon as I have had my beautiful experiences with African spirituality it's like, oh, my gosh, I was told that this was violent, right? Mm-hmm. Was devil's work or whatever it was. And I'm like, right. oh, it's so gentle and beautiful. And obviously, everyone has different experiences with it. But right. for me, it's like, I feel like I'm home. I feel mm. like I'm home when I'm sitting with Yemeya or when I'm asking Yemaya for protection. Right. And right so that's, that is a whole nother, a whole nother thing that I think a lot of people are waking up to that. Okay. We don't need to demonize it. Right. Like.
1: It was. And and to really acknowledge that that demonization is something that, um, that we have been programmed, you know, it's the propaganda that we swallowed, you know, and uh, we, uh, that's one of the things that we, we, we have to challenge in this moment as we challenge all the kind of aspects of white supremacy, yes. right?
0: It's yes. the
1: way that, all the ways that they've made us distance ourselves from who we are. To yeah. Come back to, yeah. 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 So not only has it been the whole, in fact, the whole notion of white supremacy is to distance you from who you are. Who you are. The intention yeah. is that because when you're rooted in who you are is where the strength resides, right?
0: I was like, just you know, going to say know. that's the beautiful thing about what happened within the the African diaspora, depending on where, you know, people ended up, the Caribbean, Brazil, Cuba, here, you know, wherever mm-hmm. they ended up, it's like, wow, these stories and traditions survived the threat right. of death if you practiced it right yet they survived
1: yeah wow that's a, yes how when you when you speak of Yemaya you speak of her with such a knowing relationship you know yes. <laughs> so um tell me how you came to know her, tell me how you came to know her and then then it turned, then to develop into the book. into
0: the book, yeah. Book, yeah. So I, I came to know her um, consciously, right? Like, she has been, um, which, you know, I eventually found out that we are, you know, my ancestors are from Nigeria and, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I imagine she's been in my family line, you know, like this whole time mm-hmm. watching over us. But I came to know who she was in my early teens or not my early teens, my teens when I went to Mm -hmm. um, college and I learned about Yemeya, Oshun, you know, Obatala, um, Shango, like all of the Orishas. I went to a few, you know, ceremonies and and was just like really felt at home I, I haven't become a priest or a priestess in the religion. Right? I haven't, I'm not mm-hmm. a part of it in that way, but spiritually, I'm very, very connected. And I've had many experiences with, <laughs> with Yemaya that have made me feel like, oh, she's definitely looking, looking after me. And my grandmother on my mom's side, who is from St. Kitts, she mm-hmm. would wake up every morning and pray at the ocean. And, you know, right. people were calling her an obia woman, even though she was, you know, in the church and, you know, very, you know, go every Sunday, does, you know, uh, does, she's very, very much in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she, you know, how she would feel if I was like, it's probably Yahoo, your friend. Right? <laughs> she'd be like, no, right. But yeah. it, this is that energy of despite everyone calling her a obia woman which for anyone who doesn't know that that's almost like a witch calling someone a witch. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. They believe in things other than Christ. Which again, let me just,
1: cause I mean, i recognise that my parents are from Dominica. That's the term that, that would be used in Dominica. Right. As well. Which again, which is also because of Christian Christianity and the, and the work of the organized religion around like diminishing the spirit and the spiritual practices, yes, right, in service of forwarding organized Christian religion, right, and then using that as a way to say there's something wrong with you as a people, right? So which you swallow, which you interject, which you say,
0: right? We, we, we absolutely swallowed, right? Nice big right. pill, right? <laughs> and still swallowed, and still, still swallowed,
1: swallowed. You know, still like, still take so. So yeah, so that um, yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah. Absolutely. I have
1: this image of your grandmother going to the ocean. Because I can i can picture Grand Bay where my parents yeah. were from. So I can see the standing from in the ocean. The ocean, by the ocean.
0: And right. She would she would send her prayers out as the sun rises and then would, you know, come back to the house and do, you know, everything that she needed to do. But but so to me it felt like oh it's and, and I've always been a water baby. Like I would just float in the ocean for hours and my mom would have to literally just watch me. So I don't like, so I don't just float out into the (laughs) ocean. Right. Cause she's like, you kind of have to pay attention in the ocean. And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) floating and um, I've always been very connected to mermaids. And you know, with Splash and the Little Mermaid and those, mm-hmm. and all of that, I it was I always felt really connected. And so when when I realized that one of the oldest stories, because I mean the the written accounts, um, the first time I looked it up, it did say the 12th century, and I could not find that again. But, um, you know, what I could find for sure was that written accounts of, of Yemeya go back to the 16th century mm-hmm. when, when uh, we were brought over on the slave ships, there were written accounts of her stories. But these stories were passed down orally for generations. So we have no idea how old right. these parables and stories are. And so... It's very possible that all of these stories are older than The Little Mermaid, right? The original Little Mermaid Mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that. Yeah, we don't know how old these parables and stories actually are. And that is one of the things that kind of put a fire under my ass when I was writing the book, because I saw that Disney was making The Little Mermaid black. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But what it reminded me of was when I would color my Disney princesses mm-hmm. black in my books, right? Like mm-hmm. ma- just making a white story black, right? Right. I'm like, we literally have the original story. Why wouldn't we tell the original story? Right. And, and so it's, it kind of put a fire under my ass to like finish it, get it out there so that I can be on this wave. There are quite a few, which makes me so excited. Like um, someone sent me a message that there's another book coming out about a black mermaid. She's actually a um, British author who wrote it. And mm-hmm. um, it's about mommy Wata, who is another West African um mermaid goddess and skin of the sea that's what it's called okay wow and and so it's like and then my dad sent another one of um and I don't remember what the second what this other one was called my dad sent another one so it's like this huge wave brilliant of black mermaid stories coming out right now right whereas I'm telling you there was nothing I would I would you know like you know, check, like, are there any stories, like, anywhere, right? Nothing. It's, like, coming in, like, whoosh. Beautiful. <laughs> well,
1: and maybe Yemiya says it's time. Agreed. You know, in terms of finding her way to us. Because I think it's, my mum would say everything comes in three, so it must be the three of you. Can you share with us, then, how the book has come to you, like, how you wrote your book? You know, like, if there's this energy for her story to be seen and for us to experience it.
0: Yeah. I started writing the book about seven years ago. So it's Mm -hmm. been, it's been a process. The -hmm. first, the first part did just flow out, right? Like the first edit, just, it was, it, it, it was, there was a flow. And what the reason I had, I began to write it was one of my friends who has now uh, passed away, but his name is Lee Thompson Young. And he was a uh, priest of Oshun and within this religion. And he was mm-hmm. telling me about Yemeya, And he said that that she, he's the one who told me she was the one who who watched over us on, on the slave ships. And I'm like, what? What? What?" And I was, I just was so excited. I didn't think, oh, I'm going to write a story about it, but I got so excited. It was almost like the, the channel was opened. And then all of a sudden, Yemeya just came in and just started telling the story. Like was like, this is it. Do you know, like, and I'm just like it was like I'm obeying. Like that's what the writing process was. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like I obey writing <laughs> <laughs> story, and I definitely felt like she was with me. It is it is a historical fiction, so there's other characters within there that are real historical characters. And mm-hmm. one story that I love to tell was um, Harriet Tubman is in the book, and right. I- I was writing, I'm sure I told you the story, but I haven't <laughs> told everyone. So I was writing and in, in when, when I was writing and she was telling me what's happening, she said she gave like this tincture to a two-year-old when they were, you know, on the Underground Railroad and to make the two-year-old fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And, and after that, I just was like, you know, I was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to add this in here. Cause I don't want to make up the fact that, that Harriet Tubman was a herbalist. I was like, I don't know that. And I, I was right. like, I'm just going to not put that in. I didn't erase that part of the story yet, but I, I was headed to the city because I had a sales, a whole sales meeting for, for heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And we did, you know, we, we had it in this restaurant in, in the city. And uh, when we were done with the whole sales pitch, this woman who I think was just at the restaurant, I don't think that she was a part of, because there was quite a few people at the sales pitch. But um, this woman comes up to me and she's like, did you know that Harriet Tubman was an herbalist? And I was like, you stop it. No. I was like, what? what? why did you just say that to me? And she was like, well, because, you know, it's Black History Month and I was just looking up random facts and I just, you know, and I'm like, no, no. I know no. why you told me that because Harriet Tubman's like, this bitch is about to take it out of the book. I just need to know that it's real, that I was an herbalist. Wow. And then the funny thing is that a couple years ago, I was sitting and reading or my my daughter was reading um, a book to me about Harriet Tubman that they were reading in school and it did say that she was an herbalist in there. I love that.
1: I love that when those moments where you are about to go off your path in some way and then the message arrives, like, no, no, yeah. don't do that. That's, that's, don't
0: the, do, like, right. that's our magic. Yeah. There's so many things, like, like almost every, black woman that I've spoken to, and not just black, I feel like almost every woman (laughs) I've spoken Mm -hmm. to, when we get down to it, our intuition is so magical. Like the things that we know and feel Mm -hmm. before either before they happen or see things before they happen, but we're like, like, okay, wait, you know, like, is this real? Or I just, I completely listen to my intuition now there's no question like that's the loudest voice to me now <laughs> right it was I... a it was definitely a practice but now I'm like oh no I'm not going down that road I don't know what's gonna happen that's
1: when it has it so okay I'm, I'm so like and I uh, I want to co- I just want to follow this path for a bit because <laughs> i just like noticed myself where I you know that the intuition comes up you can see something and you just like you doubt yourself so you just keep planning forward and then you're like no you should have you should have trusted that
0: how did you get to that point where you made it the loudest voice for you listening listening and to the smallest things like almost like like small things like put a pen in your purse before you leave and I used to just ignore it, like, because I'd mm-hmm. be in a rush or whatever. And what is that voice telling me to put a pen in my purse for? Then realizing later on in the day, I needed a pen, mm-hmm. right? Like, and being like, oh my gosh, I told myself that. Like, I told myself that. Like, right. And it's, right. it seems like such a small thing, mm-hmm. but it's like listening. So whenever I hear something small, whether something comes of it or not, I'll listen to it. I'll be like, okay. "Okay." And there are some times when it's very uncomfortable. Like I just, I just had to cancel an event that I was planning with someone because my intuition kept saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And I'd wake up with it. Don't do it. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, why, why don't do it? Right. Like I just didn't understand why, This is not for you at this time. Like, and my spirit is very strong when it's saying it. So I was just like, I just actually said it, told the person this morning. And it's just like, I'm sorry. My spirit won't let me do it.
1: (laughs) And they're like, "Um, what? And you're like, you if you knew me you'd understand <laughs> yeah yeah I love so I'm hearing so this feels like really listening and then not allowing the voice that overrides our uh, intuit to win yes is why I mean so our voice is there's always a, another voice that can come in and go, no, 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 just keep moving. Just keep, just leave. Oh, you whatever. don't need the pen. Just leave the door. Just go, get out. You're going to miss your train or whatever. So that's what overrides, And, and, or I, they're going to think I'm a flake. Yes. Starts to.
0: What are people going to. make think?
1: the choice, right? What are people going to think about me? They're going to think I'm a flake. And then that's the thing that drives you to. To keep going with the event, and then the event happens, and it something happens, and you're like, yeah, the finger of flag now, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. what i think you now. Um, yeah, so it, so that the voice that overrides. I think I know for myself. There's many times when there's times when I've absolutely listened. And there are many times that I think it, where I haven't and I've let that, the voice override. And usually for me, I'm, it's if I'm in a place where I doubt myself in some way. In, and I'm really, when I'm in a place or relationship with a particular person, mm-hmm. where my experience in that relationship is I, I, as a place where I doubt myself versus I'm like still grounded in who I am.
0: That's where I, I, that's what I, that's what I can notice. Yeah, so. absolutely. It, it can totally point to what it is. And for m- for me, it's people pleasing, right? Mm. Like how I said, what would they, what if they thought I was no. a, a flake? I've done a lot of work on it, but it's still, it's still there as a part of the voices, the many, the, the, the chorus of voices that are yes. in my, in my head, right? And so that's where my perfectionism comes from. That's what, you know, like, it's like, oh yeah, I'm every woman. I can do so many things, a hundred different things at the same time, better than you. Right. Like, <laughs> like uh, and it's, it's like, well, how does she do all that? And because I'm trying to please them. Right. Like, right. so that's definitely one of my, the voices for me that are competing with the, the intuition. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we have some sort of consciousness of those voices we can almost befriend them because it's not they're they're not necessarily going to go away right it's just no. like oh I hear you you're yeah. so sweet and cute and it's probably my voice from like when I was five years old right <laughs> right. right and right. just oh, cute but no we're not going to listen to you <laughs> yeah very good
1: yeah because they don't disappear but it's do they have it's the holes that they have the grass. so I'm hearing that the, the listening to yourself is a practice it's and not it. even like it's a daily practice of like really slowing it down enough so that you can really listen to what your intuit is speaking to you and sharing with you it's so perfect this conversation because I was in a conversation with my friend yesterday and my insights about recently me not listening to myself me knowing certain things and not really trusting my knowing yeah and then I've ended up in a place in in a where it's not as a result of that you know so yeah it's like okay yeah so then you share this "This is exactly what I needed to hear so I'm hoping someone is walking running driving cooking and going. Ah, wait i exactly need to hear this, this moment. Yes. you know good yeah 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 oh my god look at the time we've only got uh, i cannot believe it people we've only got i'm only like i cannot believe how fast this time has gone
0: it's about yeah. 10 minutes. wow okay Listen, that, oh my that is, that is like the time warp that happens, right? When you're just in line and going with it. I love right. it.
1: One thing I'd love I'd love to do an episode once I've read your book. Actually, I'd love to kind of if that like and I to and then let's explore that whole thing a bit more. Um, yeah. I'm wondering one of the questions I like to ask my uh, guests is. What has been a courageous moment for you in your life? And
0: to me, I was, I was molested when I was seven years old. Hmm. And I've always thought the courageous moment was when I finally said something about it, which was in my 20s, right? It took me a long wow. time to say something and when now that i'm really feeling into it and even feeling into the little voice that i was talking about of the little uh, anita people pleasing voice but mm-hmm. i think it's so courageous that i figured out a way as a 7 year old to survive that and and move through life which you know now we know it was through trauma but but right. as a child it was like i was i was I think it was so courageous that I would get up and still move around in life and do what I needed to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the whole reason I didn't say anything is because I didn't want my mom to hurt. Right. I didn't want to feel the hurt and the pain. Cause I knew that it would be even more for her. Right. And so just, I think just that was so courageous.
1: Wow. I've never heard anyone share their experiences like you've just shared, and to acknowledge the bravery and the courage of you as a child in that, and the
0: I and think the, the first time I've heard of it in that way. So the question was brilliant. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that is
1: beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I just kind of would send some love to a seven year old meter. Thank you. <laughs> no, really, really. The other question then you've had to journey to get to this place where you could see that right about yourself. What are the things that you do to ensure that you take care of you?
0: To me, a huge part is checking in with girlfriends and with like mm-hmm. having your tribe, right? Having right. I have four checking calls a week that are pretty much set up almost like, I think it's called CT counseling. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but mm-hmm. some sort of counseling where you we each get, it's almost like we're holding a talking stick, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's three of us on the call. We, we divvy up the time of the hour and right. we're just checking in, saying what's happening in our life, speaking word to whatever it is we want to do or something that we're experiencing, something that we're feeling. And so that has been, and I've been doing this for years, that has been one of my biggest tools. And you can set it up with anyone you like. You don't have to pay $500 an hour, which I'm also, you know, I'm a spiritual psychologist. So I, I'm absolutely, uh, you know, I want everybody in therapy. It's amazing. But sometimes there's excuses that come up, right? I even think about for a lot of people before COVID, their excuses, I don't don't have any time. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people found themselves with time. And it's like, oh, you can't as as an excuse, right? What's the next excuse? And so for some people, I don't have enough money, right? Mm -hmm. But do you have friends? And if you don't have friends, let's, you know, it is good to have friends, right? Like to have some. Yeah. People, I know, I know. For some people, it's hard to make <laughs> friends as well, but it's so it's so important to have those mirrors to reflect off of. I would say that's like like my biggest tool.
1: It's also when we speak things out loud, we can create. We create things through our words, obviously as well. You know, so we can create our create our intentions and what we yes. want, but we can also. It allows it allows us when we speak things that are plaguing us in some way. It can also loosen the grip. You know that's kind of one of the reasons why therapy and coaching and counselling and spiritual it works because we we get it outside of our worrying in our head and we start to help us process things. So that four times a week is a phenomenal practice.
0: It's a lot. I think it's a
1: lot, but
0: it's like it's good.
1: (laughs) It's good. No, but it's really. I think. I think the truth is, you know, if you want to know how you can get some time back, check your screen time. Check how much we are on our screens, you know, on our phones, and right. claw back some of that time. I, I mean, like, if we want to be real, I
0: know. Um, I don't know how real we want to get here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's
1: not. Let's not. Um, my last question is: piece of wisdom and guide or guidance that you got from a. Uh, either your mom or an elder woman um, for you that has, that stays with you um, or that has
0: impacted you in some mm. way. This is my, what mama used to say. Yes. I remember this because my mom has always talked to us almost like we were adults, right? It wasn't like she wasn't baby talk. And I remember she would tell me this story ever since I was young And I would get so excited every time she would say it. And she was like, I remember the day I found out what my purpose was on this planet. And she was in her early 20s. She was living in England. Mm -hmm. And she was walking and she was by a fountain. And she remembers clearly her purpose coming to her and her purpose was to love mm. and she was like when it came to her she was like it was so strong that i'm here to love deeply to love everyone around me deeply to love what i'm doing deeply to share love and that is my purpose so like that wow hearing that right because then i was like that's my purpose too right <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which then could also be, I'm thinking now as I'm saying it, because my, you know, I'm like, I'm, I am, part of my purpose is to be um, in service to the black woman. It's like Mm -hmm. my, my mom, I'm in service of her. She is my, my example of home of God, of goddess. Like she is my example and I am in service. And so that's probably where my my purpose came from is how right. I feel about my mom. You know, right,
1: right, yeah, beautiful. What a what what a beautiful way to end our time together. Um, I cannot tell you how excited I am about your book. I cannot tell you how excited I am about other people. Like like what's going to emerge in the conversations around your book, um, and I'm excited about our future. Yes Relationship I'm really I don't say that To every guest Someone I'm gonna kind of just like, like every guest is, There's nothing wrong With any like, of oh, my guests. But I'm just saying There's sometimes There's a connection I'm really clear When there's a connection And a deeper connection yeah. That's emerging And I just really I Like lots of Like honor to you And Appreciation And love To you In the work That you're doing And the contribution That you are
0: You know Thank you I appreciate you you're amazing
2: I hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life I loved Anita so much (laughs) I can't wait until one day I'm literally sitting on a sofa drinking tea or sitting around a kitchen table with Anita having more tea that's what I imagine, you know, you know, those times where you just like you're sitting, you're chatting and you can chat for hours. You know, those moments. And that's what I'm looking forward to a time in the future. Maybe even maybe we're at a coffee shop in the future. Maybe when we're out for tea and we're chatting for hours, Um, closing a restaurant, that type of thing. That's what comes to mind. Um, because it was such a wonderful conversation. And I think I loved the way that Anita is so connected to the conversation around our ancestors, around spirit, around our connection to our family system, to our past, and how powerful that is. Um, How we, we really can't underestimate how deeply connected we are to people who we have never met, Obviously, and have never known, but they are in. They are. They are with us. They are really with us, and um and sometimes we forget, and, and perhaps we can just lean, just lean on them more, as they as they as they pay attention to us and, and guide us and care for us. So do go out and get Shallow Waters. It is a beautiful novel. Do support Anita and do tell your friends about She's Got Drive podcast and share the show with at least one person in your life but you could do more so share the show please so uh, and do contact me let me know what you're getting from this um, from She's Got Drive let me know what you're getting from this episode and also your thoughts around the book because anita will be back on the show at a future, in the future she's got drive is produced by cassandra voltolina the music is by the awesome or female band blonde the song is called circles until next time go well and stay well